everyone. Uh, this is Olga Fanasieva, and uh, we are in the next issue of VC Chatroom with our today's guest, uh, who is Adam Nivinsky from OTB Ventures. Hi, Adam. Hi, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure for having you here. Thank you for finding time in this uh, in this busy period, as we found out. So um, Adam uh, has over 18 years of experience as an entrepreneur and a senior executive. Uh, he has also been an angel investor for over a decade and uh, co-founded several companies, including Expander, which was acquired by uh, G Capital and Aviva and the Platinum Bank, uh, whose investors include Goldman Sachs and uh, many others. Previously, Adam spent 15 years in Bank PKO, Unicredit Group, um, and now he's the general partner of OTB Ventures, which is the leading venture capital firm in Central and Eastern Europe, which invests in early growth, post-product, high-tech startups. And we will talk uh, later about uh, what is the investment strategy and uh, which startups can apply to your fund. So um, thanks again, Adam. And uh, for a starter, I'm asking every guest, uh, how did your routine change during the quarantine? Um, like, did it really change a lot or is more or less the same? Because in our sector, we're, you know, like pretty more, uh, pr pretty like international. And we spend a lot of time in, you know, like calls with the founders or with the other investors. So how is it for you? So hello again. Uh, and with respect to the routine, actually it, it quite, it changed quite a lot. So. You know, like in a in the pre-COVID times, I would be probably traveling at least two days a week, uh, on average. And of course, on average, doesn't doesn't really say a lot. But uh, but whether these were like uh, pan-European travels or or over, uh, you know, like a, a long haul travels, you know, let's say on average it was like two, at least two, sometimes three days a week. So obviously, for the last uh, I guess right now six or seven weeks. I stopped counting. Um, there is no travel at all. So, so this is, I would say, one major change. The second change would be that um, I would so I I, I can typically even uh, have with them. Uh, once or, or twice a week a lunch together, which, you know, has never ever happened before. Um, but other than that, you know, like, let's say in terms of Zoom calls, that has also changed quite substantially. So again, in, in the past, I would have probably one, maybe two Zoom calls a day. Yeah, again, on average. Mm -hmm. So there would be days without any Zooms and there would be days with, let's say, two or three Zooms. Today, I cannot imagine a day without two or three Zoom calls. And it happens that there are five of them. And I must admit that having five meetings a day, it's okay, it's tiring, but it's okay. But five Zooms a day, it's, it's, it's a stretch. So, so actually, I, I, I don't like having too much Zoom calls these days. So I, I like it, I enjoy it, uh, but, uh, but it's different. I, 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 I feel it's actually more tiring to have Zooms than face-to-face uh, than -face meetings, like regular traditional meetings. Um, but it is what it is, you know. It's like I, I really spend quite a lot of time 
sitting in front of the computer and looking at the camera, you know, like at the top. So that, that's the new reality. Oh yeah, it's a bit challenging to uh, distinguish uh, the type of activity. Either you're like at home at the same place or uh, you're in the like office or in business at the same place again. Um, and uh, well, actually you're pretty lucky because um, uh, at the beginning of the year, just before COVID, you announced the new fund, $100 million fund, uh, OTB Ventures, which will invest in the region, Central Eastern Europe, which is actually the largest for, the, for our region. Um, I'm from Ukraine, for those who don't know. Um, so, like, again, like, congrats on the good timing for, for raising the fund. And uh, how was your activity so far as it coincided with the quarantine? Uh, did it influence the strategy? No, definitely not. You know, like um, investing, VC investing is really a marathon. It's not a sprint. You really need to take a long-term approach. Uh, and you, I would say, ignore almost what's happening on, let's say, on the stock exchange. That, that's almost irrelevant. And of course, you do look at it. You do follow news. But, but in venture capital, really, you need to believe in some kind of trends that you are betting on. And of course, hopefully these are the right ones, but, but then it's good to stick with your investment thesis rather to change it each quarter or, or each year. So for us, you know, we decided to invest in deep tech in the region. So our, our strategy from the get-go was that we are operating in Central and Eastern Europe. So anything between Estonia and Balkans uh, included, anything between Germany and Russia both excluded, but this is 170 million people, 170 million people extremely talented technically. And we decided that we want to focus on this market opportunity and, and want to um, support the most innovative uh, teams that are really disrupting the economy. We are more of a Series A investor, so we would be investing mm -hmm. post-product, post-revenue, and that's, this this um, again have haven't changed. Uh, and uh, I would say we also believe in some of the trends. So, for instance, we believe in the automation, meaning that software robots, actually also physical robots, but we are more on a software side than the hardware side. Uh, so that the robots will, uh, software robots and the robots uh, overall, will to a large extent substitute a lot of basic labor. So uh, automation in terms of the uh, work uh, flow, in terms of the production, all sorts of automation processes. This is something that, that we are really very much believe, uh, believing in. So, so this again, this, this, uh, there is no reason to change that because we believe that the automation will only benefit from the current crisis. If there is any way to benefit from, 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 from the problem. Processes changing a lot of. Uh, in a ways that people used to work and will be working right now differently. Thank you, thank you for sharing. 
And uh, let's talk a little bit about the region. So your focus, I started up uh, companies from uh, Central Eastern Europe. And apart from geographic proximity for you, you're in Poland. And uh, from the fact that you're familiar with the region, definitely you have been doing business and investing as an angel as VC as well. How would you define it? Um, I mean, like, what is a, an opportunity in, uh, in this region in CE comparing to other ones? Like, we know about good engineers, uh, maybe like something else. And the second thing is um, that, uh, like, maybe you can elaborate it like what are the opportunities is that recently in march i think you've announced that uh you became the partner of the draper venture network uh, as the partner in the region uh so is a good sign for ce as well so like the first part of the question is what is in this region for you for the fund and for you um and uh what opportunities are opening with the draper venture network Sure. So um, as mentioned, you know, like we, we really, really do believe that the biggest natural resource of the region is talent. So it's not coal, it's not oil, maybe unfortunately, but, but it's the talent. It's the human intellectual capability that, uh, which tr translates into a lot of engineers, software engineers, data engineers, so this is something that we are definitely betting on. Actually, we are not betting that much on the market itself, meaning economic market. So we are not focusing on the companies which are doing business in the region. We are focusing on the companies that are coming out with unique tech in the global scale and that we can support them to become global champions. So, so for us, the only interesting businesses are not those which are trying to do business in uh, Ukraine, Poland, or Romania, but those businesses who are emerging from those markets and have such transformative ideas that they can really become global champions. And our, um, and, and our role is to support those companies by providing money, but also providing network, providing contacts, providing, helping them to secure clients and this is actually a part of the reason why we decided to, to accept the invitation from Draper Venture Network, which is the, the single only global, I would say, club or association of uh, leading VC funds globally. So in Europe, it's us and Draper Esprit. Draper Esprit is a London-based, uh, listed, on, listed on the London Stock Exchange uh, VC fund one of the leading one in Europe. Mm, but of course, the network consists of basically leading VC funds in any part of the, of the globe. So from China to Singapore, from, from, uh, mm, from, from US to, uh, to Mexico. So um, in, this, in this capacity, we are capable of doing a few things together. So we are able to do deals together. We are able to uh, to share the deal flow. We are able to analyze the deals together. But then also we do have a common resources in the Bay Area, in San Mateo, of a team of people who are supporting our portfolio companies. So rather than sending someone to US or putting a, our own OTB team in US that would need to build a network, that would, would need to build the relationships, we are having a, a dedicated team, a shared team, a shared resource in San Mateo consisting of four people full time 
for supporting our portfolio companies in building alliances, in approaching the, uh, the, the corporates. Uh, so this is a really, really powerful tool to support the companies from our region, but basically from any region um, to, to, to develop internationally or globally. That's great and uh, very valuable for uh, the companies, uh, which get not only the capital, but the, uh, the, the network and the opportunities as well. And uh, how, do you, how do your uh, portfolio companies are feeling this day? Uh, did they have some like problems? I mean, those you can share, of course, or did they find the new ways of uh, um, like constructing business model? Uh, like how, what was there an impact? Uh, I guess I can say that we are fortunate enough not to have too many problems in our portfolio. So this is probably due to a few reasons. A, most of our companies are working with corporates or enterprises. So these are typically mm -hmm. software as a service business models, post product, post revenue. So already having some traction. Um, and of course, what we are experiencing in some of the companies is a bit slow down in terms of getting new contracts. So it's not that uh, we are completely immune and our companies are completely immune. Some processes have slowed down. Some businesses uh, are operating not as, as they used to. So uh, procurement processes are slower. Decision-making is a bit slower because there are other problems for the companies, for the corporates that they need to, to face. But many of them are actually uh, speeding up processes of, of buying software because this, as mentioned, you know, some of them, uh, it allows to substitute labor. So some of the companies that cannot really utilize all of the resources currently because some of their employees are just locked down and they cannot provide them the whole infrastructure at home, they want to use mm -hmm. other solution. They want to use software solution to, to substitute that. So I would say we see some of the companies which are actually growing even faster. We see some of the companies that have completely neutral in fact, we see some of the companies with a bit slower new sales uh, pipeline developing. And in one case, we, we, we have a company which is basically working um, on Chinese and Japanese markets. So the one that was hit first, mostly in, um, in, in, in uh, offline retail. That, that, that was probably hit most. But actually, in this case, we already see this slowly coming out and, and ramping up and uh, actually th this might be the company that will um, I would say forget about the COVID effect fastest. Uh, I want to remind our um, attendees on Zoom and also on Facebook you can write down your questions in the Q&A section uh, or under the video on Facebook live and I will get back to it in uh, just a couple of questions from me. So uh, continuing about the VC and the routine, do you think the venture capital industry will change after this uh, quarantine time in the post-COVID or like during COVID world or everything will get back on track and no deals via Zoom as everyone is, you know, like forecasting? You know, like I, 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 I actually, 
I do believe that there are gonna be some changes, you know, and 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 I'm trying, you know, to come back with thoughts to 2001, 2002, which I remember because at that time was actually I was a startup uh, founded by myself, so I remember the dot com bubble burst uh, quite well, uh, and then I remember also the crisis of 2008, 2009, and actually there are some things that are worth to remember. So a um, venture market actually bottomed out like 12 months after the, the, the moment that everyone thought it's, it's the beginning of the crisis. So there is some kind of a lagging time between the, the, the moment that we start to feel it's beginning of the crisis and the VC which uh, which is actually slowing a bit its activity. This is the reason, uh, the reason is that A, uh, most of the VC funds, if they put a term sheet, or I would say any reasonable VC fund, once they put a term sheet, they are doing a deal. They don't wanna play around, they don't wanna, you know, like, uh, they know that they wanna be on the market for the next 10 or 20 years. So they cannot lose their face just for the sake of one deal or, or, or one transaction. So many deals are still being closed right now because some of and we are just going, you know, as, as we planned to. So no changes in terms of the condition, no changes in terms of anything. We are just doing all the paperwork and hopefully we'll be closing in June. So, so this is, I would say, one of, the, one of the reasons. Second reason is that actually VCs are having quite a lot of money still. And uh, probably some of them will start having problems raising new money, raising new funds. So probably going right now on the market, being a VC fund and trying to raise money is a challenge. Uh, so probably we'll see less money in a year or two than we are seeing right now because those VC funds are quite recently, some of them very recently like us, some of them quite recently, raised money and, and they wanna invest it, they wanna invest it well. And actually the other interesting thing is that um, angel and seed investing should remain without change. And it's rather be the rounds of, uh, I would say late stage valuations, which will drop. So actually there, there is gonna be a bit of uncertainty of how to price A and B rounds knowing that C and D rounds are gonna be much lower than they used to be pre-COVID. So we won't probably see those immediate growths of valuations, uh, which makes some of the companies unicorns within three years. It's gonna just take a bit longer. So, the, 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 so, so we need to probably come up with a bit slower pace of growth of, uh, of valuations uh, looking forward to the next two or three years. That's an interesting point. Um, thanks for, for sharing it. 
So, um, and the last question from me, um, I believe that uh, the leader is the reader. So can you recommend one or maybe several books for the venture capitalists to, to read or for those who want to um, enter the market and to invest? Uh, so, so I would say that uh, there is definitely one that, that uh, I, I, I really like, uh, which, which is Zero to One of Peter Thiel. Uh -huh. So, so, so I, I would say this is a must read for an entrepreneur. Uh, I, I, I would, you know, it's like uh, being a VC investor, you should probably expect the founder to read it before placing a term sheet. I'm kidding, of course, but, uh, but it's really a must read. So, so I, I would definitely start with that one because I, I, I believe you cannot really learn from the books of how to be a great entrepreneur, but, uh, but uh, this book is the one that I would say stands out completely. Yeah, I I really like it uh, too. It's, it's one of the things that people should should read as well. Thank you for sharing. We will add it uh, under this video, which will be uploaded on YouTube on our channel. And uh, now we have a question from the audience. Um, so, um, do you see IP, which stands for intellectual property, I guess the same meaning, coming out of academia as a good source for innovation? So, academia and venture capital industry. Is there is a match for you? Uh, I would say definitely yes. Just that, uh, as mentioned, you know, we are really not a seed investor. So typically, IP coming out of university typically goes first through a stage of seed investor or angel investor. So we are more of a post-product, post-revenue. So um, sometimes, sometimes it happens that the, I, I, the, the intellectual property is coming directly from the from the university from the academia and it's already a, a ready product and is getting at least an early revenue traction but in in my experience it's quite rare so typically it's the seed investors the angel investors who are helping taking it off the university building a company building a proper structure and then it's about the time for series a and as mentioned, we are more of a Series A investor, so stage. Thanks, and uh, I think the last question uh, from uh, from me and from the audience: um, Do you see some interesting trends in terms of industries, in, in terms of different verticals, uh, which are opened and? Um, open from the new side during this uh, period, like uh, current time, post-current time, something, well, apart from Zoom, of course, <laughs> who is known to everyone, uh, maybe something interesting you have spotted uh, in the, in this. so entrepreneurs will, you know, like start working from day one, from today. You know, like, um, I, I would definitely come back to, 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 to the idea that we are a very big fan of, which is automation. Um, because obviously, you know, there are some obvious trends which everyone will be quoting, you know, like telemedicine um, or telehealth. It's, you know, like anything which is, you know, like which is going these days, you know, like digital entertainment. So these are the trends that we are obviously seeing. But 
I would say a much broader trend and, and, and a very, I would say tech advanced trend is automation. So making, allowing the software robots do manual work of humans. So if you can, you know, and, and you can take any basically area and try to come up with a, with a thought whether this could be auto, automated, whether software robots or physical robots, because obviously as mentioned, you know, like we, we also invest in hardware, though we are far more excited about software. Um, whether this can be substituted and allow people rather to do a very basic, repetitive and boring work to do something different and leave this work to the software robot. So this could be anything like uh, one of our companies doing it, which is doing automation of testing. So if you can imagine, you know, like telecommunication, like large telcos or, or even financial institutions who are having the the, the, the uh, their uh, digital apps for for the clients they need to test their solution whether everything is well connected whether everything is properly working in telcos you've got 2g 3g 4g 5g you've got you know like crm billing systems this all needs to work together and they employ you know like a hundred engineers just doing you know the manual testing on this infrastructure all, all day long so rather than making those people like really smart, skilled software engineers doing the testing and going through the scripts, whether it's well connected or not, whether something is properly connected or not, make those people do more creative stuff and leave this to software robots, which can do it faster, cheaper, and actually far more precise because they can go through any possible script rather than some of the scripts. So. Now, like automation is going to be a big, big topic, and and I can encourage anyone, you know, to go into this direction because it's just the beginning. We are just at the very beginning of this long-term automation trend. Great! I hope we will uh, hear the announcement of the new deals made uh, by your fund, uh, and maybe even uh, maybe even in Ukraine. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'd uh, definitely yeah. love to come to Ukraine and, uh, and invest. <laughs> well, as, um, as you said in the beginning, I am a big fan of Ukraine. I've invested in Platinum Bank, uh, being like a co-founder of it. So uh, for me, it's always a great, great pleasure to, to come to Ukraine. So that, that would be something that I would really, really look forward. Great news. Thank you, Adam. Um, it was VC chat room with Adam Nivinsky, General Partner of OTB Ventures. And uh, as a reminder, VC chat room issues you can find on YouTube and you can subscribe here when this video will be, uh, will be uploaded. And uh, the VC chat room is powered and brought to you by Olga Fanasieva, me and my colleague and soulmate Olga Stoderchuk. Thank you everyone for attending. Thank you, Adam. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ciao.